Hello and welcome to another segment on the Boochcast. This is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a twofer. It's going to be Fighter Fest Day 1 and Day 2. Sorry folks, I couldn't get to you last week. Um, had some stuff to do with the family. Um, had to keep away for a bit. I'm sorry. I know you guys were anticipating my analysis of this thing we called AEW. But ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, I want to talk about the first song we just heard just a second ago. Um, the song we just played here was um, Osiris from the Ellen Parsons Project. And um, I'm not sure if you remember back in the heyday. Now, I grew up in Chicago. Um, it's well documented or well told that I grew up in Chicago. Watching my Cubbies, watching my Chicago Bulls. And um, let's just say, when you hear that song, it brings back memories of when the Bulls first had their starting lineup. And let's just say this. If you're opposing a Bulls team in a championship and you heard that song... You know you're fucking dead. Um, you are toast. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and whatever people they brought him with them. Tony Kukoc, Dennis Rodman, uh, Luke Longley. I mean, the list goes on. Steve Kerr, John Paxson, um, Randy Brown. I mean, that team was immaculate. It doesn't matter who it was. We always had um, Scottie Pippen. You always had uh, Michael Jordan. Phil Jackson, obviously, the head of the monster. And uh, the reason why I'm bringing up um, that song Cyrus from the Alan Parsons Project because... Listen, we've had a Wednesday Night Wars. That thing has been going on for a long time. We all know, you know, we like to have a little friendly banter back and forth. And I'm always talking about how AEW is going to be the best wrestling show here with the next two years or so. So, you know, I'm just trying to be a mark because, you know, that's exactly what I am when it comes to these kind of situations. But it's not without reason, folks, because unless you've been living under a rock, you know what I'm about to announce right now. So, for all of you who don't know what's going on, let me introduce you to a little something. AEW has currently signed, and I am not fucking joking here. It took me, I predicted a long time ago, but it just hasn't happened. We had to wait. I guess we had to wait for the fans to come back. It would have came back earlier. But, ladies and gentlemen, AEW has signed the American Dragon, Daniel Bryan. He is signed with AEW, but that's not the part. I mean, I'm excited about that because who doesn't like Daniel Bryan other than Vinny? Because Vinny, I know he likes Daniel Bryan, but he doesn't want um, Daniel Bryan in WWE. I think Daniel Bryan has done as much as he can for WWE, um, but I'm going to get to Daniel Bryan in a second. I'm going to bring up the fact while I'm bringing up Sirius because uh, when you start hearing, everybody knows when you hear CM Punk's music, it's Cult of Personality or The Fire Burns. Everybody knows that. So we just found out that CM Punk has signed with AEW. So, listen, if you've been watching moderately AEW for the past couple weeks, I would recommend that you start watching it on a weekly basis. Now, I'm pretty sure he'll probably drop it at pay-per-view, but at the same time, AEW is kind of product unpredictable. Um, they have so many so many surprises that come out on a weekly basis. Do you really not do you really want to watch the reaction or watching a video or a clip on it on YouTube that says CM Punk returns on this night, but you weren't there to actually see it? Don't be that wrestling fan. Watch the product, man. I'm telling you, Fighter Fest day one and day two, we got over a million hits on the Nielsen ratings, man. AEW is kicking in all cylinders. Congratulations to Daniel Bryan. Congratulations to CM Punk for signing a deal. Um, Fighter Fest night one and two was a banger. We had so many different things going on. I, for one, am super excited about it. Um, I just say, uh, let's unwrap this fucking pig and let's do it, man. Because uh, we have so much shit. So, man, I always told you every week that when you start off AEW, it's always going to be the first match and the last match is going to be fucking great. Well, I'll tell you what, though, folks. 
on Fighter Fest night one or two, they were all fucking great matches. And, you know, keeping the tradition alive, I got to say this. The first match we had on, we had John Moxley versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Now, the last time you heard me was about a week or two ago when you heard me talking about how Carl Anderson kicked this amazing promo. And, uh, man, it was fucking great. Um, John Moxley comes out into the crowd. He, he comes to the theme of Wild Thing, which is pretty cool. Uh, Eddie Kingston comes out with, um, of course, his buddy John Moxley. And then you had Dog Gallows who came off with like, Carl Anderson. So this thing was a fucking bout. Now, I don't know what's going on with Machine Gun Carl Anderson. I know he's stuck with the Good Brother gimmick with Doc Gallows, but I would love to see him break away from him because he's so good by himself. His promos are good. His in-ring style is fantastic. John Moxley, we all know who he is, man. That guy is phenomenal. Um, he's done nothing but wonders. I am so glad he took a risk to come to AEW and try to make it what it is. And John is just a consummate professional. I love the fact that he took a, he bet on himself. He bet it on AEW. And he's doing the best of what he can do. And with the current state of wrestling the way it is, dude, it's there's so many possibilities. You got New Japan, you got AEW, you got uh, uh, Impact, a Ring of Honor, um, NWA. And, wow, like ladies and gentlemen, we are a great, we are a great. Ugh, I'm just super excited. I'm like super fading out right here. The Forbidden Door. I know they've been sitting for a long time. Fuck the door. It's been kicked open. There's no door anymore. It's a revolving door. Everybody just goes in and out, does whatever the fuck they want. The possibilities of seeing people from New Japan is a possibility now. Seeing people from different promotions just coming in and jumping in is fucking fantastic. Without doing a stupid like invasion type thing, whatever, just having true superstars come out. This match, I mean, I've never seen Carl Anderson have a better match. He was fantastic. Um, and the thing is, he really gave it to John. I really thought like there was a couple times where it looked like Machine Gun, um, you know, Carl Anderson was actually going to pull away from this. It was a whole bunch of spine busters and the gun stun. I mean, it was just so close. I think there's one time I think John Moxley broke a hold when he was an octopus stretch by using his teeth to grab the ropes. I mean, it's that kind of shit. Um, I mean, this thing was so fucking good. But obviously, you're going to have John Moxley wins with the Paradigm Shift to retain the IWGP Championship, which is pretty cool. I mean, it was a great way to start it off. You know, Wild Thing comes out there, starts the match off, and gets the crowd pumping. And again, back to live studio audiences, back to, like, live people in the crowd again, different city, different state, whatever. I'm loving it. I mean, this thing is phenomenal. I just love seeing, you know, um, true fans in there and get, getting the actual pops getting all the things we need when it comes to wrestling because wrestling isn't wrestling without the fans and my god people were unglued from their fucking seats man that thing was a beautiful banger and you know john moxley when it takes i'm not going to take anything away from carl anderson carl anderson was fucking phenomenal he did his job he played his role and he come a little bit short but you can't take anything away from him because aside from him doing tag team shit whatever luke gallows he stood out by himself so although he took a loss I got a holy respect for Carl Anderson. Not only that, the week before, he cut a stunning promo on um, John Moxley, you know, to get himself into the IWGP Championship for the start of this match for Fighter Fest. But also, I mean, he really proved himself as a singles competitor. So if the Good Brothers actually do decide to, you know, split ways and do their own thing, I have no doubt that Carl Anderson has a future and could be maybe one day be a TNT champion or something. I don't know. We'll see. But nonetheless, um, we come backstage. We see Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer. 
Uh, Jake is agitated that Lance is uh, going to ask him to calm down. He pretty much is like what he does. He goes back there and he calls John Moxley out. He's like, hey, man, you beat me 18 minutes ago. Um, I mean, sorry, 18 months ago for that very championship. The fact that you've been having a championship is bullshit because you've been sitting on hiatus. You've been sitting on that title. Um, and he's challenging him um, on night number two. He's like, I know you just won tonight, but I'm challenging you for that championship um, in a Texas death match. Wow. Um, a Texas death match in Texas. I cannot fucking wait for that. Um, of course, we'll get to that later on. That's Fighter Fest Part 2. But, uh, yeah, man, good stuff. Lance Archer, it's kind of weird. You don't know if he's a heel, he's a face. One face, one week he's a heel. He's, like, he's, kinda, he's almost got, like, the big show kind of thing, whatever. He's, like, a good guy one week, and one day he's a, I don't know, he's just so weird. You can't, he can't really find his own footing. And Jake the Snake, you know, before he used to be all excited about him being a murder hawk and throwing people through ceilings and shit like that, though, he's like, whoa, 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 you don't want to call it John Moxley? It's like... What are you talking about, man? He's a champion. Don't you want your boy to get a championship? That kind of took it away from me. I'm like, Jake, you're supposed to be pumping this guy up, not saying, don't go against John Moxley. What the fuck's your problem? You might have to eat those words that are on you, son of a bitch. But anyways, I love Jake Snake. I love him, but that was just kind of a weird little thing. It was a small little promo, but at the same time, I felt like, wait a second, buddy. You, you want your guy to get a championship. Why won't you want him to get the championship he got before he was even with you? Anyways. So back from commercial, we get a footage of Andrade El Idolo being interviewed backstage earlier today. Um, he just simply says, hey, I got a question. Where's the death triangle? And then takes away. So this takeaway is, at the time, I'm thinking, was he looking for death triangle to pick a fight? Or is he just simply just want to exchange words? We won't find out till later on, but anyways... Next, we have Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks for the FTW Championship. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know about this FTW Championship. I understand that, um, you know, it hasn't been defended lately. The title pretty much means nothing in the scope of things. But here's the thing. I think it's the person carrying it. Now, I like Brian Cage. The guy's a fucking machine, or that's what people say. I mean, I follow him Lucha Underground. The dude is fucking fantastic. I mean, that guy is stacked. He's like... He's like Ultimate Warrior without the pizzazz, but he's a good wrestler. I mean, they guy could pull off some amazing moves, but he's like, have you ever seen him? The dude's a fucking machine. I don't think if I could dropkick him, he'd just sit there and just laugh at me. He'd be like, ha, 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 ha. And I'd just be like, sorry, Cage, and he'll just toss me and slam dunk me into to the moon. Um, no, but it was just pretty cool, man. This is uh, Ricky Starks' chance to go against uh, Brian Cage because, um, you know, there's some tension between Team Orange, obviously, uh, between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Um, but here's the thing. In this match, you're supposed to make Ricky Starks look like the heel and Brian Cage is a face. And the fans were having it. They were loving Ricky Starks. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing was pretty cool, man. Um, you know, Ricky Starks being as small as he is, I mean, he really took it to Brian Cage. But let's just say um, there was some shenanigans. There was some shenanigans on here. Yeah, I'm going to say it. There was some shenanigans. At first, it looks like it was going to be even about, you know, Team Taz was out by ringside. Um, there's a point where Ricky Starks was a championship. Will Hobbs tried to pull in a title away from him. And then, um, I guess something happened where the referee was distracted. And then, uh, powerhouse Hobbs just knocks, um, Brian Cage in the head with the championship. And Ricky Starks takes advantage and becomes a new FTW champion, turning on Brian Cage, kicking Brian Cage out of, um, Team Orange. That's what I'm going to call it. Team Taz, or what are going to call it? Um, Team Kool-Aid. That's what I'm going to call it, I guess. But here's the thing, Ricky Stark looked fantastic in his bout, especially with the championship, especially the break, but here's the thing, it did nothing for Cage. The championship 
and, and this is the right move to do. They need to move that championship from Brian Cage because he did shit with it. I think Ricky Starks is going to make that championship worth something because he's going to be, I mean, he's going to make that towel look good. I mean, any championship he's going to wear is going to look fantastic around his shoulder. He's going to act like that's the most important title, even more than the TNT championship or, may I even say it, the AEW championship. He's going to make that championship something where Brian Cage had it for its first inception and, like, really did nothing with it. So this need to be done. Brian Cage, I'm not sure which direction he's going to go to. I'm pretty sure he's going to have some kind of feud with, uh, Power Hobbs, and he might even go against Hook. He might even go against Ricky Starks later on the line. But nonetheless, um, fantastic fucking match, man. Um, congratulations to Ricky Starks. I think he's one in a million. Um, he's really, he's really got his groove, and that's what I've been talking about AEW as a whole. People getting their grooves when it comes to timing, when it comes to promos, when it comes to um, ring entrance and stuff like that. And now with the crowd being there, you can kind of gauge which way you want to do it, though. So you know what, though. Power to him, you know, FTW Championship now belongs to Ricky Starks, which is fucking awesome. Um, let me see over here, and then we're going to go to commentary informs that Arn Anderson is going to be okay after taking a black mask last week, and then Cody Rhodes rolls up to call Tommy in, Malachi Black, Alistair Black out, and he says a phone call would have been sufficed, but you don't kick a 62-year-old man in the face where he can't get up, and he demands a mic to be in a ring. He's feeling boisterous, and he doesn't want to win every fight, but he sure has a better chance when, he's, well, when he knows where he's coming from. He says it might be abuse of power, but a fire fest, he feels like fighting, so answer the call. And all of a sudden, lights go out, and everybody's like, whoa! Black appears in a smoky ring. He says he's violent, doesn't care about Aaron as much as Cody does, but he tells a story about seeing a man kill a horse, because he realized it wasn't the horse he once was a long time ago. Arn Anderson is that horse. Cody calls him down. He agrees. The lights go out. They come up and black in the ring. I mean, it's like, you know, I love this because it's making Malachi back being like the, hey, man, hey, old man, you don't deserve to be here. Um, I love the gimmick. I love the fact that he's wearing like a black suit. Cody's wearing a white suit. Obviously, it's going to be the, the good guy versus the bad guy type thing. Um you know, they try, try to brawl each other for a bit. They get the referees and the road agents. Fuck, even Jerry Lynn was out there. So, a while Jerry Lynn has appeared. If you guys don't know who Jerry Lynn is, look him up. If you know him, awesome. If you don't, then whatever. Do your homework. Um, no, nah, man, it was a fun segment. They're trying to build up Malachi Black, obviously. And here's the thing, man. They got so much good shit going on here, folks. Malachi Black, Alistair Black is on there. Um, CM Punk, Daniel Bryanson, Brian Daniel... Daniel Bryan, whatever, it's it's a good time for wrestling, folks. It's 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 a good time. Uh, back from commercial, we got Tolly Blanchard being interviewed backstage, and then all of a sudden, he runs into Santana Ortiz, and the, um, they're going to sit there and hold him down. They're about to beat him up, and then they stop. So they were literally going to beat his ass down, and they just threw him to the ground and left. So here's a funny thing. In this previous segment... Cody says, you know, you just don't beat up a 62-year-old man and get it away, get away with it, blah, 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 whatever. You just don't do that to a legend. But then, literally, the next segment we have, Tully Blanchard is being interviewed, and he gets thrown down by Pride and Powerful. I just thought it was funny, you know? It's just like it's, you know, Cody, come on, pick your battles. I understand what's going on, but whatever. Um, Hangman and Page is interviewed in a ring by Tony Schiavone. He says he came so close, and guys, again, I'm going to read this verbatim. And I'm going to talk about, I literally just said this a couple weeks ago. And then he's like, oh my god, that was such a good idea. I mean, that's the way they're going to play it out. They should do it. 
It's totally happened the way I said it. So Hangman and Page is being interviewed, and verbatim what he says, he says he came so close to being world champion he could smell it, but he failed, and he tried to run and hide from it. But a Dark Order is right, and he needs the championship, so he's here tonight to officially challenge Kenny Omega for the title. And then of course, you know, Don Callis comes out there. He says Page is spending a lot of time talking, all hat and no cattle. God bless you. God bless you, Don Callis. You're the best. When he looks in the mirror at night, Adam knows he's not that guy. The Bucks and Good Brothers run him down a little bit, and Matt Jackson chooses to get in the ring and say it. He accuses Hangman of abandoning them and says it blows his mind that he left them for a bunch of losers. Eventually, Page has had enough and lays out Jackson and make it behind him with the title, but the Dark Order make the save. Listen, I'm loving this. I think it's awesome. It's so much cool shit. I mean, we even have the crowd screaming cowboy shit. The thing is over. Hangman and Page is awesome. And I told you the theory a long time ago. He was the first person challenged for the AW Championship, lost to Chris Jericho, went out on a spiral, got a whole bunch of drinking, he just wasn't himself. He's finally collected himself and going for it. But here's the thing. After the match, or after the little segment they had over there, it was a dark order in a ring, and then you had like the elites on the outside. So Kenny gets on a mic, you know, him and a page is on a mic, whatever. And then I guess uh, they have some kind of five versus five elimination rules match going on. And um, he goes like, well, here's the thing. When we do our elimination match, if we win, two people from the Dark Order needs to get a shot at the Tag Team Championship. So Kenny Omega's like, yeah, that's cool. We could do that. But here's my stipulation. If you guys, if you lose, you're, like, since Hangman and Page is the number one contender for your championships, like, if Kenny Omega or if the Dark Order loses along with Hangman and Page, then he's no longer the number one contender. He's back to the bottom of the pool, which they agree to. The challenge has been issued, and they say they are going to prove. So, um, I don't need a crystal ball to look into this. I know for sure Hangman and Page and the Dark Order are going to win. Now, I'm not saying that Dark Order is going to win a tag team championship, but at least they get the shot. So, that's all they're really wanting, because the Dark Order is not even on the... I think they're not even on the, um, the rankings right now. It's not even John Silver. It's not, um, Alex Reynolds. We don't have Evil Uno or Stu Grayson, but nonetheless, um... You know, but it's still going to be pretty interesting to see where we come from here. But um, we got some storytelling, folks. I mean, it's some good stuff. And then next we have uh, Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. And listen, man, I looked it up. I had to do some research because I know these guys have fought before. Now, tag team matches, we all know. We all saw TLCs. We all saw the WrestleManias. But did you know that Christian Cage and Matt Hardy's only fought three times? In 20 plus years on one on one bouts, Christian Cage and Matt Hardy only fought each other three times in the whole span of time they've been wrestling together. That shook me to my core. I'm like, that's crazy. I could have sworn he's got fought a lot more. I think it's because of the tag team aspect, because the Hardys and um, Edge and Christian were always there. Like, they're always battling back and forth for the tag titles, tag titles, tag titles. But three times, 20 years, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, but, man, if I had a time machine, this was it, man. Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. doesn't matter what day and age you go back, 10 years, 15 years, they still put on bangers. And now they're the veterans. They probably still think in their minds that they're young, but they're not. And they're doing fantastic work. Christian Cage always bringing it every freaking week. Um, he's always proven that, you know, he's going to out-wrestle everybody else. Captain Charisma, man, he is awesome. Matt Hardy, I know that's Vinny's best uh, favorite wrestler. I have nothing against Matt Hardy. I think he's fantastic. He's got a brilliant mind for wrestling. I think he brings it every time. He knows how to put people, put people over. 
He's got his whole um, Hardy family, um, whatever, office, whatever. He's got going on an organization. And he's bringing, like, you know, Butcher and Blade to the limelight. He's bringing um, uh, Private Party up there. I mean, he's really trying to get everybody. I think he's got TH2 or TH, um, what is it, Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, you know, he's trying to make them relevant and trying to get them over. I love Matt Hardy, man. I love the fact that, you know, he's not about just himself. He's about putting over other people first, you know. Matt Hardy's been there for a while. He's established. Christian Cage just came back, and Matt Hardy is doing a favor to Christian Cage because, you know, Christian Cage did win this match with the kill switch. And you know what, though, man? This is, this is just fucking awesome, man. I mean, it's, it's a banger after banger after banger. And this episode made over a million... I mean, we had over a million people looking at this match when it comes to the ratings, man. This shit was fucking awesome. Post-match, we have Jurassic Express come on in Subred Cage. And then we get a promo from Miro. Miro! Miro is the best. Miro's number one. He is the redeemer. He's God's chosen wrestler. That's right, I heard it. You heard it here first, folks. If you haven't watched the show, go watch the promo that Miro's been doing for the past couple weeks. So fluid. This is the Miro we needed for the longest time. And you know what, though? Some people said, well, he's not booked so well when he first came in there. He was the best man. I know, folks. I know. We all went through that same shit, whatever, though. But, man, he has been killing it for the past couple weeks. He's TNT champion. But he, as soon as he ditched that anchor that he had before with Kip Sabian, as soon as he ditched him and went on his own path, man, oof. I would hate to be anybody, because if you're holding gold, you are targeting Miro's eyes. Miro, dude, I'm not sure what happened. You kicked it at a whole fucking new level, man. We have such good talent. Everybody's finding a groove. AEW, man, I'm telling you, I feel sorry for NXT. And it looks, I love wrestling. I love TNT. I mean, I'm sorry. I like uh, Impact. I like um, Ring of Honor. I like NXT. Um... You know, I like Raw sometimes and SmackDown. I like them all because I, I want this to grow and be better when it comes to it. But, man, I feel sorry for NXT, man. You guys got to bring in old people. You guys buried Karrion Cross when you brought him on uh, Monday Night Raw for no reason. He was a believable threat for such a long time. And he goes and loses in less than 120 seconds on Monday Night Raw to Jeff Hardy? Oh, my God. I feel sorry for you guys. You guys just cannot build a center. Like, I know we have a lot of shit we need to work on, and we're working on it. We're getting there. And with all this new plethora of talent that's been there for a while, who's trained, and, you know, the cream's going to rise to the top. So we're going to start seeing more and more of these people on there. Everybody's going to have to step up. Otherwise, if you can't step up, you're getting stepped down to a different show. NXT, man, I'm sorry, man. I hope you guys, I hope, I hope one day NXT gets the respect that has to on the main roster because it seems like everybody gets there does not seem to prosper well unless you're charlotte flair which i'm okay with it that's cool or becky lynch but um yeah man it's really hard it's really fucking hard but you know i'm not gonna talk about that show so i'm gonna go talk about my show because tony shivani introduces dr Britt baker d m d man dude she's been on a fucking roll man her promos are better people are chanting the whole dmd thing when she does with her finger i mean she is killing it I mean I would not imagine if you told me a year ago that she would be here now we always saw glimpses of greatness in her we did we talked about it I mean I know me and Vinny talked about it for quite some time there's something there um, but you know she needs to find her timing that's what the thing about AEW everybody's finding their timing they've only been around for two years folks a t-shirt company a t-shirt fucking company 
has gained so much traction in two years, survived the pandemic. They should have folded. Any other company would have folded. There was a lot of wrestling promotions, any promotions that actually closed their doors. Impact, I mean, um, AEW stayed on. They stayed open for business. And they kept people's, like, you know, they kept uh, food in people's mouths. Now, no, we didn't get all the top talent in the world because they want to come back to an empty arena. That's the global pandemic for you. But they survived. And it just seems like everybody's finding their fucking footing. And I'm, you know what, though? I'll say I'm happy for the first year and a half, two years for AEW. You know, trying to bring something different, and they had a lot of faults. But the thing is, they're able to recognize it. If something doesn't work, they stop it. You know, they try, they try to do something else. Um, Britt Baker, you know, we saw something in her that she could be something great. She just couldn't find her footing. She couldn't find her, her that gear that she could take it to the next. Like, she had to feel believable, like, when she's flowing, when she's talking, when she's saying all these different things, to make it believable, to make it feel like it's her instead of being scripted. You know what I'm saying? So for her, finding her footing, finding her timing, and then, like, improving, obviously, her wrestling skills in the meantime. I mean, dude. I mean, Sheeta held the title for a long time. She did a beautiful job during the pandemic. And I'm always going to hold her to a high standard when it comes to it. I'm happy she lost the title to kind of reinvent herself and try something different. Now it's Britt Baker's time. And, dude, she is whooping ass. She's kicking ass and taking names. And I, for one, am super happy about it. Obviously, she's going to have a fight with uh, Nyla Rose, the, the resident beast. Um, I think it's going to be on Fighter Fest Part 2. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty nice, man. Um, next backstage again, another backstage segment. What up here? We got John Moxley cuts a promo backstage where he's not the hunted, he's the hunter. And if Lance Archer wants a Texas death match, then he won't be the only one in Texas. They'd be born and bred. He'll be Texas dead. John Moxley cuts an amazing promo every fucking time. He accepts the challenge from Lance Archer for that championship. Um, yeah, man, that's that's fucking awesome. Uh, John Moxley. And uh, fucking Archer, two big fucking hosses fighting a Texas Deathmatch. That means pretty much anything goes. You could bring bob wire, fucking plywood. You could bring flaming bats and, I don't know, wherever the fuck you get your hands on, I guess, right? And then um, we go to Brooke. We come back. We have Sammy Guevara versus Willer Yuta. But um, before we move to the next segment real quick, Mr. Elvis Delinsky has to take a drink of his delicious Jack Daniels. Um, you know, my throat's kind of hurting. I did a lot of shit today, so... Um, Cheers to all you folks out there. If you have a drink, pour yourself a drink. And then uh, time for that shot. <sighs> Delicious. Next we have Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Yuta. Not a lot of people are saying, who's Wheeler Yuta? Well, this guy was a prospect before the pandemic happened. He was actually part of the AEW roster beforehand. But because of the global bastard that took place, all the travels that got canceled, he couldn't go places back and forth, he couldn't join. He was out. So he's actually um, taken in. He's actually filling a spot. He's a, a recruit for the best friends um, because Trent is unfortunately out of action. That's why you haven't seen him in quite some time. Um, I, I guess, I mean, that's the second time he's got hurt, man. It kind of sucks. But um, I'm telling you, man, this Wheeler Yuta guy, Keep an eye out for him. Do not sleep on him. And I told you about Sammy G, man. Sammy G, fantastic fucking wrestler. Now he gets a showboat and people cheer for him. And the thing is, I'm not sure how in one year they got him go from a full-fledged fucking heel to being a, hot, a white, hot, lightning fucking face. AEW's building their young stars. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to have your John Moxley. You're going to have your Lance Archers, okay? 
but they're gonna have like also your Dark Order. You're gonna have your John Silver, Alex Reynolds. You have your Jungle Boy. You have Britt Baker that's homegrown. You have MJF. I mean, they have all these different people coming up. Wheeler Yuta is going to be a great addition. Just give him some time, folks. Don't sleep on him. The same I told you about Ricky Starks a long time ago. Don't sleep on Ricky. That is going to be something. He's getting there. Sammy G, dude, that guy, he's got years to do some, nothing but amazing things. So, I mean, we're building up talent, but at the same time having the main event people right now because they can teach everybody else so much more. And something Vinny's always been talking about, like, well, they're going to teach all these people out there, but they're going to receptive to what's going on. Well, Vinny, this is where you're wrong. It's a new style of wrestling. Now, I know you're, you're a Cornette guy, and, you know, I like to drink the Kool-Aid of uh, Mr. Jim Cornette. I get it. I get it. You like to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid off Jim Cornette's balls. That's cool. I mean, I do the same thing for Kenny Omega. You know, that's just the way we are. Um, but it's a new style of wrestling. I know you don't really crazy, you're not really crazy about it, though, and Jim Cornette kind of cut from the same cloth. I'm not taking anything away from Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette's a genius. I think we have, we have said it many times. But where in some areas he's a genius, there's some areas where he's a fucking idiot. Um, he just likes the old school style of wrestling, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think who said it best was Gator. And again, respect to Gator for, you know, changing my mind in a different aspect of wrestling. There's different types of wrestling fans, different type of wrestling. And, you know, for the longest time, I thought it was right. I was like, no, my style's better. My, my, my style's... I'm not sure why I'm giving myself a Vinny Bucci accent there, but... um. No, Gator said it right. You know, it's like there's different styles of wrestling. Some people like prefer the old school type of wrestling. Some people like the new school. Um, I guess I'm a hybrid because I used to like the old school, but I'm really digging the new stuff now. Um, but then it's great to have that ground to be grounded as well, too. So there's got to be a balance. And I guess that's where I'm trying to find myself um, kind of gravitating towards also. And I think I've actually, this whole... Um, Fighter Fest Night 1 and 2, you saw more balance when it comes to it. So it's good stuff, man. Sammy G, Willer Yuta, if you haven't watched it, it's a fantastic match. Sammy Guevara, win Sammy Guevara wins with the Go to Hell, which is pretty much a GTS, but it's Go to Hell. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see when uh, we're going to start seeing a Sammy G trying to hit the GTS or GTH, and then CM Punk comes up there. He's like, oh, that's a pretty nice uh, movie you got there, Sammy. Where'd you learn that from? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> then we see um, Hideo Itami come out there. He's like, hey, CM Punk, where'd you learn that move from? <laughs> and it just becomes a whole spiral thing. Never mind. Um, so next we have uh, Penelope Ford versus Yuka Sakazaki. Now, this is where I wasn't too crazy. I wasn't too hyped. Penelope Ford has got so much better in the ring, so congrats to her, but... Yuka Sakazawi, I never got behind her. Same thing with Ryo. I just don't like those two. Um, Shida was my favorite between those three. But, uh, you know, Yuka Sakazawi, she's not that great. She misses her spots a lot. And she's more of a veteran, too, because she's been, like, you know, in New Japan for a longest motherfucking time. And for some reason, when she does little flips and kicks and whatever the fuck she does, she misses her mark. And I was trying to see if it was Penelope Ford's mistake or Yuka's. But uh, I just don't, I just don't give a fuck about Yuka. Um, I mean, obviously we saw Yuka win this one. This is something that I mean, I hate to be the guy who says like, oh, it's a women's match. You should kind of take it off because I know we're trying to do better in the women's division. But Penelope Ford looked better in the ring, so which is fantastic. She's learned a lot in the past year and a half, two years. Uh, Yuka, man, I could, I'm gonna sleep on that one, man. I just don't care for her. She brings nothing to the table for me. There's nothing realistic about the way she fights. 
I wish I could suspend my disbelief just for one second when I see her wrestle, but I just can't do it, and it sucks, man. I really want to. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but after an X amount of time, it's like, no, nah, man, you should know better. You should hit your spots a lot better. So this is the only downside, so I'm going to give a brown down on this one um, just because the whole nine was a banger up into this point, but that's okay. And then last but not least, we have Darby Allen versus All Eagle Ethan Page. And guys, ladies and gentlemen, we all know Darby Allen. He's awesome. He's great. You know, if you like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. That's fine. There's no in-betweens, I guess. But I have become such a big fan of Ethan Page. Um, and if you don't know much about Ethan Page, you just see him on TV from time to time. I want you to break away. Hell, you can press pause here in two seconds once I tell you what to do. Go on YouTube, look up. All Eagle Ethan Page or Ethan Page Live Blogs, man. It's like uh, being the elite type thing, whatever, but you get to follow along uh, Ethan Page. The dude's fantastic. He's such a great fucking talent, and he's got a great personality. Um, I loved it, man. I cannot... I, once I saw his daily blogs and watched a little bit of history on him, dude, Ethan Page has become one of my favorite wrestlers. And Because the thing is, I didn't really see much. I, I, I was getting like the... Like when they had to sit down with JR, and he goes like, oh, you've been following me for all this time and doing this and doing that, whatever. But I got to see him backstage and see how he reacts with the people and his, he's a genuine good person. You know, I think he's from Canada or something, maybe, possibly, I don't know. Um, but like, I got to see how he interacts with the boys and even the girls, whatever. Um, even with like, um, who, what, what the fuck's her name, the referee, um, Aubrey, Aubrey um, Edwards, whatever. Uh, you know, his interactions with the referees, his interactions with the Dark Order, I mean... He just comes off as a really cool dude. And then uh, it shows like more stuff on uh, Scorpio Sky as well, too. They're fucking awesome, man. Um, so you have, a, you have a moment, just check them out. I mean, if you're on YouTube anyway, if you're like watching videos on wrestling or keep away Jim Cornette just for two seconds, watch Ethan Page just for a couple of months. You might like it. If you don't, it's fine. If you do, you watch something new on YouTube. So there you go. But um, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The main events. Fighter Fest, Night 1, Darby Allen versus All Ego Ethan Page. And, ladies and gentlemen, this match was the right match to end Fighter Fest Night 1. There was, it wasn't just a high flying, there was a one move that I said, holy fuck, he's dead. And I do mean, Ethan Page did this weird fucking avalanche powerbomb on, like, on the steps that fucking threw me off. It, I was like, what the fuck? I think he's dead. He did his one, like, uh, razor's edge into the turnbuckle. And I was like, what the fuck? He's dead. Darby Allen still does the one to fucking die. It's the weirdest thing. And the cool thing is, um, Scorpion Sky tried to sit there and get involved and try to fight Sting. They had some backstage brawls, whatever. Um, I think, God, what the fuck? I think they had a point where at the end of the match, they were taking off the turnbuckle and they were twisting it off. So that little hook that hooks to the back of the turn post, they were using that as a fucking weapon. They were hooking it, they were hooking each other like through their fucking mouth. It was the weirdest thing. So you ever seen you've never seen this coffin match? Now coffin match always ends the same way. You gotta beat someone down you gotta beat somebody down until, you know, someone gets in the coffin, you need to close the fucking door. Well here's the thing. They beat the living shit out of each other. Eventually Ethan Page gets inside the coffin and it's game over, you know, Darby Allen wins, but here's the thing, it's not over, Darby moves the coffin to a certain spot, he gets on top of the fucking ring post, and coffins drops into the fucking coffin, what the fuck happened, how the fuck do you plan that, I saw the coffin, 
it's not like super big it was like a regular size but a little bit bigger but there was like woods coming out and how the fuck did ethan page not get tore up from the plywood inside of it i just sat there i was like i remember he went up and he was gonna do the coffin job i was thinking to myself someone's gonna get hurt from this nobody did i saw the reports afterward you know you get ethan page did the blog afterwards which i watched it was fucking awesome and then darby allen he was right as fucking rain right, right after that it was the weirdest coffin match. I mean, you know, it's one of those gimmick things, whatever. I get it. You know, it's a it's a gimmick. You know, everybody likes gimmicks from time to time. I mean, fuck, even uh, Darby Allen uses fucking skateboard to knock fucking Paige into the coffin. Right? I mean, it's a coffin match. It was just fucking weird. Oh, by the way, there was a guy cosplaying Jesus Christ in the fucking crowd. It was fucking weird. <laughs> it was a weird fucking show, but I gotta say, from Fighter Fest night number one... Dude, that shit was fucking bonkers, man. Um, everything was good except for one match. And I gotta say, that one match which we talked about was uh, Penelope Ford versus Yuka Sakazawa. Other, other than that, though, everything was fucking great. Fighter Fest Night 1, over a million views in the Nielsen ratings. So, I will fucking take it. So, uh, what do we do now? Um, we're supposed to be talking about next week's pay-per-view. So... Um, give me one second. Let me try to see if I can pull up my little computer here. I'm going to put you on pause for a second. Pause. And done pause. I'm back. Thank you so much for holding with me, folks. I just sit there and take a drink. I think about my life. You know, all these different things. Contemplate life. Now I'm back over here. Brrr, what we can do here, folks? We got, uh, wow, what is this? AW Dynamite results and live block for July 21st. This is mean... That's right, folks. It's Fighter Fest Part Two. I know that's a weird segue. I just said pause, unpause, and come back on. But I separate. I had to separate it, and it's kind of cheap to sit there and put a, a song on there. I mean, I could sing a song for you. Oh, Vinny, why aren't you doing a show with me? Yep, piece of shit. Yep, piece of shit. Here's a song I'm singing to segue between Part Two, Fighter Fest Night Two, folks. We have the Five Labors of Jericho match. Of course, we're gonna have Chris Jericho. Versus Sean Spears, and everybody knows what this is. You know, uh, the match is uh, Sean Spears gets to use a chair, and I get disqualified. Chris Jericho can't. It's one of the labors they set out, and I don't remember. I talked about it before, but in order for Chris Jericho to get some kind of fight with MJF, he has to go through five different labors of Jericho. I think we talked about it last time. So MJF's on the commentary, obviously, for this one. So, uh, you know, a typical match, you know, um, Jericho being a veteran, being a wily and smart veteran, he's like, uh, you know, I can't use a chair, but I can knock out your fucking hand, so you can't fucking use it. Um, so they start brawling back and forth. Obviously, you know, Spears eventually does get a chair and kind of wallops on Jericho's injured elbow for a couple times in a row. Um, and I got to say this. I'm not sure how old Chris Jericho is. But he fucking hit an avalanche fucking Frankensteiner. I repeat, he hit an avalanche fucking Frankensteiner. Because you remember you know how they do like the whole thing when they go to the apron or to the ring post? And they do like, they start punching a dude in the head and it's like, one, two, three, four. So they go up to like a count of eight or nine or something and ten. And then out of nowhere, a fucking Frankensteiner from Chris Jericho. I don't give a fuck what anybody says, the dude's old whatever he still fucking got it dude he's going in week after week doing his best because i think he knows his best years are behind him and he has to do something he has to do something to at least captivate the crowds and still do something while before he goes back behind a table 
Because I'm pretty sure once he gives up his boots, which will be a sad day in fucking wrestling, but he knows that time is coming pretty fucking close. So he's going to try to sit there and give everything he can, and I, for one, am super fucking happy. Um, this one, Matt, this obviously fucking win by Chris Jericho. Hits him with a Judas effect. Boom. One, two, three. It's fucking over. This is my favorite part, folks. Post-match, MGF comes out to the stage and gets in a mic, warning Jericho that if anybody else has uh, interferes in a match in the other labors, he'll be disqualified and that'll be it. Next week's labor is a no-disqualification match against the most sadistic criminal being to ever step in a ring, a man who once stabbed his opponent in the juggler, who once robbed the bank with no mask on, it's Nick fucking Gage. He's there. He was there. He came out to the fucking ring. Nick fucking Gage. If you guys haven't seen that fucking Dark Side of the Ring with Nick Gage, dude, just watch it. Fuck, just go on YouTube. See the match he's had there. That dude is, literally, he is fucking insane. He is fucking insane. So, watch next week. Watch. You guys have to watch. Nick Gage himself is, has a rabid, frenzied fan base. Just go on his Twitter. Like, you know me, I'm not, a, I'm not a social media guy. Go to his Twitter, because if you go on YouTube and see the YouTube videos of his Twitter stuff, it's fucking phenomenal. So if anything, just look up Nick Gage from either Dark Side of the Ring, or look up Nick Gage's fucking Twitter account. It's fucking phenomenal. There's like a whole bunch of people commenting on it. It's fucking great. Um, so I think Chris Jericho's going to fucking die. Um, I'm just saying, uh, it's going to be pretty fucking amazing. Um... Let me see we come back over here. Uh, we get uh, Miro gets a video package that we can barely follow because I'm too excited because of Nick Gage being on TV. No, Miro gets another promo, man. He's he's the redeemer, God's favorite wrestler. Again, his promos are fucking awesome. Nick Gage, Miro, watch him, watch their promos, they're great. Um, so Excalibur's in the back and confirming that Nick Gage is wrestling Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho goes out there and he goes like, um, he's on doing a promo where you can always see his back with leather jackets. And we all know what's going on. He goes like, well, next week we have to fight Nick Gage. He won't just be fighting Chris Jericho. He'll be fighting the pain maker. So he's going to have his cloud makeup on. <sighs> okay. Whatever. Um, I'm okay, but I'm not okay. What, whatever. Chris Jericho, I love you to death, man. But the, the pain maker, that's not going to do any difference. You're just putting cloud makeup on. My own personal opinion. That's just me. Next match, we had Dak Gallows versus Frankie Kazarian, the Elite Hunter. Now... Guys, I'm going to go back to what I said about last week's Fighter Fest Night 1. I just can't get behind Luke Gallows. I mean, I won't call Luke Gallows, but Doc Gallows. I really, I tried, man. I really tried. I really tried to like him. I just can't. I just can't. He just, he's like an adolescent boy. I don't, I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like him. Maybe I don't like his movesets, or maybe I don't like because he's kind of clunky in a ring. I hate to badmouth anybody because, I mean, they're all professionals, man. Luke Gallows is still respected in, in the field, whatever. Which I think would be really impressive when we see Doc Gallows and CM Punk. It's like, hey, didn't I save your life from drinking? Now you're an asshole. Anyways. But it's like, <sighs> Craig Krasarian is fucking, his role as the Elite Hunter is fucking amazing. Um, he does a whole bunch of great shit, but obviously we're going to have the numbers games. Connorson do some interference, you know, Frankie takes him out. Uh, Doc with the roundhouse kick, double choke, double choke out, and you know one, two, three. Doc Gallows wins with a choke bomb. You know, and it's kind of sad to me because Kazarian's been on this role where he hasn't been in the matches, but he's been interfering with the elites. 
And the cool thing comes in after, and I gotta say this in a way, like, it's almost like a video game. And I love it, because the Good Brothers attack Kazari, lay him out with the Magic Killer. Don Callis and uh, Kenny Omega comes out to the stage, and uh, Callis says, you gotta love this. Callis says, it's time to get, take a look at your AEW World Champion. This is what you get when you mess with the Elite. Omega addresses Kazari and says he's been a thorn in her side for months. But the tables have turned on the Elite Hunter, and the Elite Hunter has become the Hunted. And they're going to show him what they're going to do to Hangman Adam Page next week. Kenny, you killed it. That promo was good until, why did you have to sort of bring up Hangman Page? Because everybody knows, if you say someone's name, they're going to appear. And enter a wild Hangman Adam Page. Don points out to him and says, look here, asshole. There's four of us, there's one of you. You're not a very smart man, You're either drunk or stupid. Then all of a sudden, Adam starts beating the shit out of everybody else. <laughs> comes out there and starts beating some ass. The good, I mean, um, the, what's it called? Dark Order comes out there and they start beating the shit out of each other. Um, I think, like, John Silver and Alex Reynolds did, like, this cool combination. You know, they wanted, they, like, they do, like, the, the gut buster and the suplex. And then it sets something up for uh, hanging out of page to do the buckshot lariat. I, that was pretty awesome. Obviously, Paige and you know stands tall with the Dark Order. Uh, Brian Page, uh, Page Cage in a rage with the Mage on the same Sage. I don't know. It's all so many ages. I'm just saying. Brian Cage is interviewed backstage. Um, he talks about because um, I guess they're going to say like they're having some kind of celebration for the FTW Championship in a ring for the new FTW Champion. Brian Cage is like, oh, I love celebrations. I might have to show up next week. So, this is kind of a dumb segment. And only because it's like, oh, they're having a victory thing? Why not just be surprised? Why not just surprise me? You're literally going to announce that they're going to come over there. So, it's kind of like, what the fuck? I don't know. It was stupid. Brian Cage looked like a chump. He lost the title, which needed to be done, like I said before. But now he goes like, oh, I love parties. I'm going to go visit them because I need to be part of their group. I don't know. Whatever. Next, we have Darby Allen versus Wheeler Yuta again. Wow, we get two Wheeler Yutas in two weeks. Awesome. That's probably why they won the ratings right there. So, I'm going to say something that's going to disappear, or that's going to really disappoint all the Cornets out there, all the Vinny Bucci's in the world. Darby Allen comes out there with Sting, obviously, because that's his father. Oh, yeah, it looks like him. I don't know. Could be like that. Maybe because of the face paint. I don't know. Maybe because of the young blonde hair. Anyways, they kind of they both wear black. They wear both, uh, you know, face paint, whatever. And then Willow Yuta comes out there with Orange Cassidy. Now this match was pretty good, but I'm gonna take a, a point of the match where it became fucking epic. And what was the epic part of this? Sting confronts confronts Orange Cassidy. Orange. Puts his fucking hands in his pockets, like Kenny, like um, Vinny would say. He puts his hands in his pockets. But here's the thing: the whole crowd behind it was super perfect. So, puts his hands up over his head. Everybody's like, "Oh!" Brings his hands down, and everybody's like, "Oh!" He puts his hands in his pockets. But here's the thing: Sting kicked, did the shin kicks the way Orange Cassidy does. He does like one and two kicks, and then Orange Cassidy does one and two kicks. And then when the whole crowd goes, whoa, they both step back and super kick each other, but like the Orange Cassidy way. That was the best thing I've seen. Now, I know a lot of people are like, that's so stupid. 
We know, folks. We know. We know it's tough. That's the shtick. Not only that, though, you know how Sting likes to sit there and do, like, the whole beating of the chest, whatever, like, really fast before he says, woo! Sting gave the same kind of effort Orange Cassidy did. He was, like, banging his arms, like, really slow, whatever. It was the best. It was the best. Now, this match was really fucking awesome, too. <laughs> but to say something, that was the highlight of the fucking match. Uh, Postman, I mean, Darby Allin wins with a pinfall. Sorry, I, I didn't get to it, though, but, um... Yulon was set up. Uh, he got hit up with a crucifix on there. Um, it was like a diamond dust, and then Darby Allen hits the fucking coffin drop. Post-match, the blade appears and attacks Orange Cassidy, which means he hits him with the fucking brass knucks. Um, obviously, you know, Orange Cassidy and the blade have a match later on at night. We get another, then we get a video package for tonight's main event, a Texas death match. Lance Archer and John Moxley kind of talk about their history back in New Japan, winning that title, blah, 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 whatever. So... God, that shit was fucking awesome. So, if you need a chuckle or a laugh, and you want to see a veteran, Sting, do the shin kicks like Orange Cassidy, even do the super kick, and be a relaxed and days ago fucking taunt, it'll make your fucking day. I don't give a fuck who you are. I mean, Jim Cornette's gonna be like, oh, that's fucking bullshit, you just buried a fucking legend. No, man, that made a legend even more legendary. The fact that he could put somebody else over, even though at his own chagrin, he could sit there and not take himself seriously, and put somebody over. That's what the difference is. Cornette, I love you to death, but sometimes your 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 logic is flawed because you're only thinking about yourself. He's thinking about the whole company as a whole, putting people over. So I'm not going to take your shit. And plus, we're making over a million when it comes to views on there, man. It's better than NXT shit you're watching or WWE, whatever. So, hmm. This Kool-Aid I'm drinking, it's really fucking good. Anyways, let's get back to the place. Thank you, Kenny Omega. Next, we have Dr. Britt Baker versus Nala Rose. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you this. I have not seen a better Nala Rose match than this one. Now, don't get me wrong. There, there was some botches on here, okay? There was a lot of shit that was wrong. But this match was smart. Smart from Nala Rose, smart from Britt Baker. Britt Baker knew she had to take the big monster down, down to her level, take her knees out, bring her down to the mat, do some, like, submission holds. Um, dude, it was so fucking good. I think Nella Rose at one point even hit a rock bottom, you know, then a backbreaker. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, this match, they made Britt Baker look so smart because she had to take this big behemoth down. Nella Rose was playing up to her strengths, but she wasn't just using, like, big you know, big beefy, muscly people uh, moves like a like a Braun Strowman or a, you know, or Amos from Raw or SmackDown. I'm talking about like she was doing like legitimately good wrestling moves. And I gotta say, this is probably the best match I saw Nella Rosen. Um, hell, even Britt Baker. Now there was a couple things that were not correct. I mean, a couple of missed spots. But listen, it's wrestling. It's gonna happen. But God damn it, this match was fucking good. Um, one of the best women's wrestling matches this year. I'm not saying it's a top because anytime Thunder Rosa's in a match, she's fucking awesome. And holy fuck, how the fuck can I forget? Thunder Rosa is now signed to AEW. Now you're saying that Elvis, but she was on our AEW TVs before. You're right, she was. She worked for NWA at the time, but I guess Billy Corgan and Tony Khan to case on agreement because I think her contract was over back, I think it was going to end in December. I guess they got some kind of agreement where Billy Corgan let her go. So I think the agreement is if Billy was to need her for something, she could always go back, obviously, because that door is open because that's a revolving door now. It doesn't close anymore. It just keeps opening. You keep pushing it, and it keeps returning around. 
Um, but yeah, we got we got Thunder Rosa officially signed to AEW. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just getting all spaz out because this has been a good week for wrestling. I think I lose my voice because of all the amazing shit we're seeing on here. Uh, but let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, it was a good fucking bout, but of course we had to get uh, Britt Baker wins with a submission with the lockjaw. I usually call it the reach around, but I'm going to, I have to put respect to Britt Baker, so I'm no longer called the reach around, it's called the lockjaw, so I'm going to leave it at that, so. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, Tony Schiavone moderates a panel between FTR and Pride and Powerful. Now, <clears throat> here's a weird thing. FTR is sitting on one side, Tony Schiavone is in the middle, and then you have Pride and Powerful on the other side. So, FTR is kind of sitting over, he's like, oh, you know, we came from a large tradition, you know, we, we respect our elders, and blah, 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 whatever, we don't touch old people, we don't, you know, we don't hurt them. And then Pride and Powerful, oddly enough, we're trying to say, like, we grew up in the Bronx, we grew up in the hood, and we had no food, and we didn't have this, and we didn't have that, I'm like, and then, like, Santana was bringing all, like, he's like, this is the apartment we used to live in. See, so like, apartment, he had a picture of the apartment he's living. This is a newspaper, because she had to fight for something, something. And, like, he was pulling out props. And, like, I could kind of see he was going emotionally somewhere. But it kind of died off. I was like, wait a second. Is he going to pull out a kazoo, too? He's like, this is my kazoo. It was my only friend until I met, um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing myself. This is my kazoo. I used to make music with it a long time, because I was so poor. I just sit there and get this for 25 cents. I used to go, Kee! Sorry, I was stupid. Um, they, they tried to sit there. I think what happened was the Pride and Powerful and FTR segment, it got cut off because it was pre-taped. And I think some of it, I think it was trying to go somewhere and it got cut off early. So this segment was kind of good, but then it kind of got cut off. So I think we were missing something else. I think FTR, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Pride and Powerful were trying to get somewhere. And I think I got cut off to a point where it didn't really get across. So... That sucks. Um, I like FTR, I like Pride and Powerful, but that was just, um, that was kind of a waste of time. Back from commercial, Tony Schiavone introduces Andrade El Idolo. So we get two Idolos in two weeks. Andrade says he has a surprise for everyone. His assistant confers with Tony for a moment. Schiavone welcomes a new executive consultant to Andrade El Idolo. It's Chavo? <laughs> it's Chavo Guerrero, folks. I'm going to say something about this. I love Chavo. It's great, but I'm going to take you back right before he announces it. So, when the assistant to El Idolo whispers to Tony Schiavone who the person was, Tony Schiavone, it took him 30 seconds to even register. He's like, wait, are you for sure? Are you for real? Like, Schiavone was trying to sell it, but you ever say less is more? He should have just said the fucking name and call it quits. He sat there for like, what? <gasps> who? And it was like, oh, Chavo. Okay, we got Chavo Guerrero, dude. He's awesome. And I'm not sure what's going on with Chavo. I think he found a fountain youth. He found it because that motherfucker does not age at all. He looks the same like he did when he was like 17 years old. That dude has not gained, he's not aged a day in his fucking life. It was really cool. Everybody really popped for him. The people in the crowd were fucking eating it up. It was awesome. Um... But then all of a sudden, uh, Chavo was going to get on the mic and talk up uh, Andre's talent like he's one of the best superstars, one of the best free agents that got signed to AEW. Now all of a sudden, um, Death Triangle's music hit. Puck gets on the mic, and first of all, Puck gets a huge fucking ovation. He's like, oh, you fucking bastard. Well, you know how he talks. I can't do it. I pocket impression. I could try. I'm like, you fucking bastards. No, I can't even do it. 
I tried. Uh, Puck gets on the mic and says he doesn't know where Andrade thinks he is, but last week they heard his his name come out of his mouth. And for the record, let it be known that that triangle hides from no one. Andrade thanks him for coming out and says Lucha Brothers are good, but he's great. He's an elite superstar, and Chavo takes the mic. So, long story short, Andrade was saying a whole bunch of shit in Spanish. Um, Pac didn't understand because he only spoke English. And the cool thing is, like, when El Idolo was talking shit in Spanish, he had Chavo in, um, interpret it for El Idolo. But then when fucking the Lucha Brothers were saying a whole bunch of shit in Spanish, Alex Abrahantes <laughs> was interpreting it for the fucking Good Brothers, man. It was, it was pretty good back and forth. So, here's the thing. Uh, El Idolo is like, hey, man, uh, Good Brothers, I'm not sure why you're even fucking working for that guy, for Pac, because I don't see any gold around your waist. You should have it, but if you're with me, you're going to get it because I'm El Idolo. And Pac's like, listen, motherfucker, he doesn't work for me. We're a fucking group. That's indifference. We're not a fucking group. No one works for anybody. We all work for each, for each other because we're a fucking group. So, they're trying to build something where El Idolo is going to take the... Lucha Brothers away um, from Death Triangle, which I think would be kind of stupid, but at the same time, I think it'd be kind of good. I mean, I mean, I like Death Triangle. I think it's pretty cool, but they haven't really did much because Pac was gone for a while, and I don't mind seeing Phoenix and um, uh, Penta, you know, being with El Idolo. I mean, that could be a pretty fucking substantial fucking um, a group, man. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how it turns out, but um, I don't think it's really going to take off, at least not for now. But we'll see over here. So next one, we have Christian cuts a promo. Now, this is really fucking cool. You had Christian in the backstage with um, with Luchasaurus and um, Jungle, Boy, um, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And um, Christian cuts a promo. And it was really fucking good. He's like, hey, uh, Hardy family. Um, it's pretty crazy. It took four of you bastards to take out a little Michael Stunts. He thought beating Matt Hardy would be the end of it, but he, it also suggests that these two um, drastic boys are over here um, got his back. So if you guys want to have a healthy fucking match, uh, bring your boys private party and a helico and um, come meet with my boys, Jurassic Express. I thought the promo was pretty awesome. Um, they they kind of work together. Christian Cage, Jurassic Express. We got to get Marco Stun out. So Vinny, this is for you. Marco's off our TV for a while, so you could just relax. You can watch it now. Um... Private Party and Angelico, um, being on the same team, I love Angelico, everybody knows that. I've been on record for that for a long time, so it's about to be some shit. So next we have Orange Cassidy coming out, uh, of course, to the picks, he's Where's My Mind, versus um, The Blade. Um, obviously, uh, I failed to mention during the beginning of the match when uh, Yuta Wheeler was fighting against Darby Allen, uh, Orange Cassidy was attacked by... Um, the blade, and he got hit with fucking brass knucks. Um, and here's a weird thing. You know how uh, Orange Cassidy likes to be slot style, likes to be all fucking slow when it comes to things? This guy was on point the whole time. He was fast. He was furious. He was out there. He was kicking some ass. When the buddy tried to sit there and get involved in shit, then we had fucking Chris Stanlander come out there and fucking put the boots out to the fucking bunny so we could do like the even um, things on there. It was a pretty fucking good match, man. Um, Chris Stanlander is fucking amazing. Um, the chemistry between her and Cassidy is fucking top notch. Um, I think what you saw like a, I saw, and I I've, I've been sleeping on the blade for a long time. I'm not sure if you guys, if you guys watch this match, watch towards the end. There was a spinning, tombstone pile driver. Now let me repeat that, a spinning tombstone pile driver. I'm not sure how the fuck they did it, but 
I think I'm not going to be sleeping on that blade anymore. This guy was fantastic. Orange Cassidy, he delivers his pop for his fans and, you know, the fans across the world, you know, and live audience, what have you. But don't sleep on the blade, man. He's, he pulled up some moves I've never seen before, and I've seen stuff in Lucha Underground, wrestling everywhere. But uh, the Blade, he pulled out some shit on here, man. Um, he really gave it to Orange. Orange, you know, barely escaped through by the skin of his teeth. But at the same time, pretty good fucking match, man. Um, he won with the Orange Punch, obviously. That's his move. Um, I don't know. Uh, Post-match, um, Orange Cassidy actually put up the Brass Knucks and actually um, knocks him out cold with the Orange Punch with the Brass Knucks. So that was pretty cool. Um, last but not least, so next we have... Oh, let me get to my little computer right here. Computer, why don't you work? Computer. 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 All right, here we go. Peter. Here we go. Peter. Okay, here we go. Uh, John Moxley versus Lance Archer for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Now, before I get anywhere else, I might have told you about the revolving door that's in WWE, uh, in, um, WWE but uh, in pretty much every other promotion now because everybody can kind of go back and forth. They're all kind of ganging up on WWE, which is pretty awesome. They're kind of like, fuck you, guy. Oh, we're taking over. We're taking over. Um, we actually had Haiku's... Um, Haiku's fucking... Um, Haku. Sorry, Haku. You guys know Haku. Prince Haku from the old 80s and 90s. WCW styles, whatever. Well, anyways, his nephew was in the ring. He's actually part of the Bullet Club. And the Bullet Club was in attendance at AW events. So, I'm just saying that there's going to be some shit happening because I guess what they're saying here is that uh, whoever wins this match next week, we're going to have that champion, whoever it might be, face against, um, God, what is his fucking name again? I think his name is Hikuleo? Hikuleo? Hikuleo. It's kind of going back and forth on me, but listen, this Texas chains, this... Texas Deathmatch. Holy shit, I could barely talk right now. Too in the drink. Um, it was fucking brutal, man. Um, Lance Archer took so many stab wounds to the face with a fork. It's it should be illegal. Um, this you know the 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 candlestick hits, the suicide dies um, through the still steps, going through the audience, back through the audience. Um, it's, I don't know, man. I think at one point, John Moxley even bit his forehead just for fuck's sakes. Um, it's, I don't know, man. I'm not really crazy for these uh, GC, uh, CZW matches where it gets kind of crazy. It's cool to watch it from time to time. This was really a fucking crazy match. I think at one point, they brought out tables with uh, plywood with um, with a barbed wire. Um, I think the match, I'm just going to end this right here. It's real simple. I didn't think that John Moxley was going to lose this one, and he did. Your new IWGP champion is Lance Archer. Um, Lance Archer actually uh, chokeslammed John Moxley through the table with the barbed wire. And he sat there and lay down. And, uh, we got a new champion, folks. IWGP championship. I know one people are like, eh, it's the, it's the new Japan championship. Who gives a fuck? But, um... This is opening up something huge. If you guys have been watching wrestling, now is a great time to start watching. Um, at the end, we have Hikaleo come up on the apron. He says he's going to challenge him for the championship next week. So this might be what's happening. I think we're going to have uh, New Japan come week after week. I hope Lance Archer continues to win. 
hope every week he gets someone new from um, New Japan come over and try to take the title away until we get like Kota Ibushi or something or I don't know anybody Naito or something um, come out there and try to do something amazing but <sighs> wow um, I think that about wraps it up um, Fighter Fest night one and two were fucking phenomenal um, I'm, I'm beat I've been all wrestled out for the past couple days I've been ranting and raving I think I called Vinny twice just to say hey by the way did you see we get signed over CM Punk and we got a uh, Daniel Bryan it's, it's pretty it's pretty fucking out there man um, it's a good time to be a fucking wrestling fan if you guys have been watching if you guys have been watching AEW keep your eyes open man there's a lot of good talent out there and now with all the plethora of um, you know legends and better wrestlers out there everybody really has to step up their game otherwise they won't be on Dynamite they'll have to go to you know Rampage or Dark or Elevation I mean it's just the truth of the matter you got for instance you got Kenny Omega let's do the rankings real quick Kenny Omega fucking best wrestler in the world um, TNT champion Miro he's doing fantastic Hangman and Page amazing um, Jungle Boy Jack Perry Christian Cage Darby Allen Orange Cassidy see you get your champions Kenny Omega and Miro top right then your top five people for the contenders Hangman and Page over as fuck Jungle Boy over as fuck Christian Cage forget about it he's awesome Darby Allen Golden for Pain and Orange Cassidy over as fuck uh, the women's wrestling obviously it's getting better but oh look at this we got Britt Baker number one number Number one contender for her is Dyla Rose, which they just had about, so it's about to be over. Thunder Rosa, who just signed with AEW, still has her records 19 and 2. I mean, she's wrestled 21 times before she got signed with AEW. That's pretty fucking impressive. Ty Conti, number three. Uh, Chris Steller, who's been out for fucking ever, but she's finally back 10 and 0. And last but not least, beautiful Sheeta, man. She's out there, number five. And for your tag team rankings, you got uh, the best tag team in the world, <laughs> the Young Bucks. Uh, number one contenders, you have the Varsity Blondes and Griff Garrison and uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, number two, you have the Acclaimed and uh, Anthony Bowens and Max Caster. Um, number three, oddly enough, you have Kingston and Penta. What? Uh, Private Party number four and FTR number five, and those are your rankings. So, ladies and gentlemen, I got to thank you again for listening. I know it's been kind of weird. Um, we were gone last week, but we're back right now. So, um, it's kind of weird to do this by myself it's a lot easier sometimes to do with other people but uh nonetheless here we are hope you guys had a great time um don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel on instagram that's something he plugs right um facebook youtube yeah yeah just follow the boochcast you know um, you know go like and subscribe i mean if you're listening to the show like and subscribe forward it over it only takes you two seconds to do it it means a lot to us or to Vinny, I guess, and to whoever else does the show. Um, you know, they they like it. The more likes, the better, I think, right? Commercials and bullshit, whatever. I don't care. Um, if you do it, great. It only takes you two seconds. If you, do, if you don't want to do it, I don't care. Just sit there and listen to the show. You can stop it right now if you want to. But until then, good night, goodbye. Kenny Omega is the best world champion. Thank you, Don Callis. Thank you, Young Bucks. You are the best in the world. Until then, CM Punk's back, Daniel Bryan's back, and the world is a better place because of AEW. All bless Tony Khan. Till next time, Kool-Aid on Kenny Omega's nuts. This has been the Boochcast. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu.
Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Addy. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.